for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, welcome back to Elk Camp. And welcome to the second part of our series on successful elk hunting and confidence. The goal of this series is to help improve our mindset and performance as elk hunters. We truly want you to believe that every time you step into the woods, you can harvest an elk. So pull up a chair and welcome back to Elk Camp. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? And they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome back, guys. As I said before, this is the second part of our Elk Bros series on taking steps towards confidence and becoming a more successful elk hunter. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, live in the house from Houston, Texas, and I'm the host of the show. In the house tonight in Cimarron, New Mexico, we have the guy, Joe Gillia. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Hey, Gilbert. How you doing, buddy, man? Things going fantastic. Uh, last week, we identified our main goals, so today we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about the mindset needed, and then let's identify small goals that will help us to obtain our main goals. Joe, I'm going to let you kick it off from there. Okay, bud. And b- before I get started on that, uh, a lot of people will say that, uh, or see that my, my buddy's not with me this evening. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, <laughs> man. The second part of the dynamic duo, Chad, Leroy, Chad Chavez is a little under the weather. Yeah, he is. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I think we talked about in the last podcast that for the first time ever, the duo is going to head out of New Mexico, and we're heading down to Texas to do some hog hunting down there. 
We are so excited about having you down here to Texas, Joe. Uh, first time for you guys to be out in New Mexico hunting. We've got some fantastic hog hunting down here in South Texas uh, on our ranch in South Texas. We need you. We need to get these things cleaned up. They make unbelievable table fare. Uh, we eat them all the time here. I, I've told you several times, my son and my daughter both are crazy about hunting these dogs. So. Oh, we're, we're, we're pumped. In fact, that's why Chad's not here. So about Monday, <laughs> he got a little bit under the weather. And uh, we always – here's something for people out there. Whenever we get an injury or we're not feeling well, we always try to get a baseline and we say, okay, with one being the worst and – and 10 being the best, how do you feel? And, oh, about mm, Wednesday, he was about a four. <laughs> so, you know, uh, today he's about oh, wow. an eight, and uh, he's feeling a lot better, yeah. but he didn't want to risk it because we're going to be jumping in the vehicle and heading down to Texas Saturday morning, and he wants to be in that vehicle heck or high water. So he's not here this evening. Yeah. We can't wait. We can't wait to have you, Joe. We're going to have some of our, our special friends there that yep. I work with and plus that we hunt with together. So it's cool. going to be really fun. You're going to get to meet a really close friend of mine, uh, uh, Kenny. We call him Kenny Mack, but his name is Ken McCorkle. So you guys will get to meet him and, and some of the crew that I run with. And you get to see a little bit of Texas and the, and the beautiful South Texas brush country and uh, all that. It's, it's in a full splendor right now, brother. I mean, we've had – we had two inches of rain down there last week. It was already green as can be, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be warm, just like it is always in Texas. Right. And uh, we have some cool cool mornings, but it'll going to warm up to you know the the mid to upper eighties during the day. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and and so our viewers know um, we're bringing the recording equipment down there, and we're going to record our next podcast from South Texas during the pig hunt. And you know it'll be me, Chav, and gilbert here and and they'll get a chance i'm i'm wanting to throw our venezuelan mafia on the microphone uh uh sure. let uh, people meet them and 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 see some of our other brothers that are out there hunting with us and stuff and it's just some great human beings so i'm excited about the whole thing and and it's just going to be a great time so um you bet. And, and joe we can't can't appreciate you enough for for having this forum and, and the idea and the brainchild to bring Elk Bros to the forefront. Again, you know, th this, sh this show started last week all about confidence and about right. how that helps and mindset and help how that helps us with his performance as elk hunters. So, you know, to, to set small goals to help us to accomplish our main goal, which is, you know, harvesting an elk every time we step in the woods. Right. Right. So in doing this, Gilbert and, trying to get everybody to give them the small goals to help them accomplish that main goal. The first thing that I want to do right off the bat is talk about the mindset you have to have in going through these steps. You have to, first of all, in all of this, and, and I'm talking to I'm talking to Joe Gillia a few years back because I've got a, a, a great story about old negative Nancy here once. But, you know, uh, you've got to adopt a positive mindset and get over that fear of failure. I think that is imperative to all this. You have to understand that everything in life as a whole is a process. You know, uh, yeah. I once listened in my day, Michael Jordan was everything. I don't know about LeBron and all that stuff, but Michael Jordan was the man. And, you know, people I ask agree. Michael, right? <laughs> and uh, 
they asked him one time that, you know, do you fear failure? And his response to that was, you know, I have failed thousands of times over and over again, last second shots, free throws, you know, things that I've tried to do in games. And he said, I have failed a thousand times. Therefore I succeed because you have to risk, you have to put yourself out there and and you've got to have that mindset that, you know, the reason we do this is because we're passionate about it, because we love it, and because we enjoy it. And you don't want to put something on your back, a, a big old monkey that you carry around that starts giving you that negative attitude. So I've always told our athletes, and I've told my own children, and I've told plenty of guys that I have in my life, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. Amen. Amen, brother. So you can you can have pressure, frustration, anger, disbelief, and negativity in your life, but that is a personal choice. It is it you weren't born with it. You know, it's not something no, that No, that's uh, right. Yeah. But, uh, it's not something that's in in your hip pocket. It's not something that becomes a, par- a part of your persona. Um, by falling into you, it is a choice, just as composure, relief, gratification, happiness, and optimism. It's a choice. It's a way to live yeah. your life so that you can enjoy it fully and have a lot of fulfillment. Yeah, you know, Joe, we talk to our players all the time. Uh, you know, you were a track coach, and I coach fast-pitch softball, girls fast-pitch softball. We talk to them all the time about having a positive mindset. But one of the most important things that we talk to them about is winning and losing is is all a process, right? Right. The only two things when we take the field that we can really control, that we have control of, is number one, our attitude, and number two is our effort. Those are the only two things that we can control. We, You can play your best game and get beat. And you sure. can play your worst game and you can win. So sure. winning and losing doesn't have anything to do with that. But the preparation that you, the mindset that you have are the two most important things, your attitude and your effort. So I think that ties into what we talk about elk hunting all, all the time is, well, you know, that's having that perspective a positive thing. mindset and understanding yep. and preparation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, uh, going to my track kids, I can remember having pole vaulters that, man, they just love to, to vault. And then they would get this mental block because they've, you know, they'd set this goal. I got to go 13.6. I have to go 14 feet. And it was like that particular goal because they they did this finite goal became their mental block. And basically the thing that I would tell anybody is that it's not about how high you go. It was about flying, man, you know. Just yeah. go fly. Do the thing that you love to do. Get and launch yourself up in the air and enjoy that feeling. Just like us as hunters, it's all about the hunt. You know, we, we can't no say doubt. that our hunt is determined by a certain score of an elk or, you know, uh, uh, we want to be successful and get that kill. But does that mean that we weren't successful in a lot of ways? So uh, that's something that, 
I, I think is important. And I always like to tell the story, and I told my kids this, that, you know, I've never been a, a target shooter. I don't own a target bow. Uh, I'm, I'm fingers, uh, instinctive, uh, bare bow. And so one time I took a trip down to New Mexico State Indoor Championships and said, let's give this a whirl. And I showed up inside that place and had my hunting bow with all the camo on it and <laughs> my side quiver and all exactly, your fuzzy dice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what I hunt in, you know? Well, right. after day one, I really didn't know a whole lot about the scoring, man. I mean, it was only 20 yards. So it was kind of like picking off squirrels on the side of a tree, as far as I was concerned. And, uh, sure. just shot, had a blast, um, left out of there. And what I didn't know was, you know, they score you on a certain amount of points and, and, uh, and then, in case of ties, they count your X's. And I guess most people in that first day were averaging around, you know, uh, in my category in bare bow, you know, they were averaging about five X's, six X's or something like that. And, and uh, evidently I had scored the highest score that was comparable to a lot of guys that were shooting pins and had like 14 X's on that. And uh, which I, could care less. I was just going and shooting and having a good time with everybody. The next day that I show back up, well, when I come in there and I check my registration and I get my lane and I'm heading over there, I'm walking and people are going, yeah, there's that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's that guy. Yeah. That's him right there. And I go and line up in my lane and all of a sudden I look back and all these people are standing behind me to watch me shoot. I kid you not, man, that target that seemed this big, and if you're not seeing my arms, guys, it, it seemed like that target was three foot wide, you know. All of a sudden, it was like it went, <laughs> <laughs> like it was 100 yards away. Oh, yeah. My first shot, I, I never hold my arrows. I never hold my string. My first shot, I stood there and I started holding and trying to focus. And, you know, I, I, I've got to show these people how good I shoot. And I put all this pressure on myself. And I kid you not, Gilbert, I shot the target over to the right of mine. <laughs> and, and what was the difference between day one and day two? Pressure. You know? Yeah. Because I was doing what I loved and I was enjoying it and staying in the moment. I wasn't adding all this pressure. I wasn't putting all this disbelief in my head. I wasn't worrying about what other people thought. I was doing everything for me. And so that's the, that's the positive mindset that I, and the things that I want people to think about, the reason why you do what you do and, and understand that all of that additional stuff out there all those pressures we put in, all those negative thoughts, we do that. Nobody else does it. You know, we have to allow that to happen to ourselves. So uh, that's, that's, that's something that I think before we go into the rest of this stuff, that's the mindset. And now that we know what mindset that we have to have, so let's talk about the goals and let's get to the small goals needed, okay? Yeah, and you know, for our listeners that are out there, we would again with Joe Gillia, the guide out in Cimarron, New Mexico. He's talking tonight about 
how we get our minds in the right positive mindset to go out there and attain our goals every time we get out there in, in uh, elk camp where we can go we'll walk in the woods. We truly believe that we can kill an elk. So Joe, I know you've got a, a list of things to talk about with our viewers and our listeners. Well, what I'm, and what we're going to cover in this part and what we don't cover out of this is going to be into a part three because I'm not going to, I'm not going to shirk or, or cut out the quality of this trying to get something in a certain amount of time. And, uh, I think it's so important that that people understand that in that ability and confidence development in certain areas will help you to achieve this main goal that we're talking about, which is to be able to go into the woods and fill your tag. Okay, we're not saying that it's for you, you know, that it's all just about killing an animal, but we go into the woods and we hunt because we want to kill an animal, and I'm. And my goal, your goal, Chav's goal um, is to help people accomplish that. So the areas of development and abilities that we're going to talk about are shooting, fitness, calling, equipment, elk behavior, hunt strategies. And then the last one I'm going to add in that I think is really important for, especially if you're new to hunting, um, or you've just started, or you never had anybody to help you out. The last area we're going to talk about is hunting etiquette, um, so that so we can bring the honor that we're all trying to bring to the hunt, okay? So the first area out of those, uh, out of that list is shooting confidence. And remember, guys, girls, men, women, this is a process. You've got to give yourself opportunity to improve. And if you haven't shot for a while, you know, like Gilbert, like yourself, man, you shoot all the time, right? So one of the statements that I'm getting ready to make might not necessarily go to you. I'm out there today. We had 23 degrees here in Cimarron today, and it was chisping snow, but I'm outside shooting, you know. I mean, uh, I'm getting ready to go down to Texas, and and I have to honor that and uh, and honor y'all's place and, and do things the right way. So for those people that are just starting out or those people that have been doing for a while, some of this is going to apply to you, some of this isn't. So just take it in and uh, and, and think about it. If it doesn't move to the next level, you know, uh, Gilbert, yourself, there's some of this stuff there's no way you could do because you'd probably be tearing up some of your arrows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's been a process for me too, Joe. So, you know, when I first started out, I needed to shoot all the time. I, like you, started with a finger tab and a couple little pins. I, I wasn't as bold as you were to think that I was going to be able to do it without a pin, but I started with an old bare white-tailed tube back in the day, and I had three pins on it, and I started with a finger tab. And, you know, uh, you know, I was lucky to hit a pie plate at, you know, 20 yards and then 30 yards and then man shooting at 40 yards was going to be <laughs> eclipse, you know, and, and being able to do that. So it all started for me just like everybody else and putting the time in shooting. Right. Uh, I, I, I have no problem shooting out to a hundred yards. Right. Right. Now, but uh, it's been years of practice, Joe, I'm talking 
you know, 30 plus years right. of me shooting a bow. And uh, it's aggravating for some guys because, you know, they come out and they've been bow hunting a couple, two or three years and they watch you shoot and they're like, I just don't understand, but they have no idea about the process and how long it took me to get to that, you know, uh, and like watching you shoot. I'm, I marvel every time you and I, you know, we, we compete at elk camp and when we're shooting against one another and I marvel at you, you, you shoot out to 80 yards and never use a sight. I can't hardly get over it. Right. Well, and you know, the thing is, is, uh, is, you know, don't think that my shooting is anything special. I think the only reason I don't shoot slice and pins is I'm just not smart enough. <laughs> so, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I, I, I keep it simple. So, so when you uh, say that, you, when you say that, when you do hunt with guys that are different than you, it's been helpful for me because I can tell you a whole lot of times that pin's just a locator for me. Right. I kind of feel like it's in the right place, you know, before I let that arrow go. Sure. And there are a lot of times I don't. I, you know, the pin's just where kind of where I need to be. And, right. and that's just me growing as an archer shooting Correct. more, you know, and I think people will get there, but man, you got to put your time in behind that bow and, and being strong and strength, I think is a really big thing to help you be more consistent with shooting the bow. No, that's exactly right. In fact, that's um, for those people that, you know, a lot of times it happens that you have a long period of time when you're not able to shoot and then you get back into trying to get your rhythm back, prepping yourself for um, the seasons that are coming up. And in order to develop that shooting confidence, I tell people when you first start shooting, when you start, you know, first start doing your series at 10, 20, 30, 40, 60, and whatever you're shooting there, um, and you haven't shot for a while, just understand that the shooting the act of shooting itself is more important than the accuracy of the shot. Uh, at that point in time, you got to give yourself a break because your body's trying to get back in tune again. And you're not going to have the same strength starting out as, you know, it's just like anybody preparing for any sport. you got to go through your strengthening phase. So understand that. Don't be so tough on yourself on your accuracy. If you're getting it in there, that's great. But if you're not, it's more important that you're shooting. So don't start shooting and you've thrown out 15 arrows and you're not shooting well and then just pack it up and go back into the house. Understand that part of the reason you're not shooting well is because of your stability, because of your strengthening. Okay? So go through your steps. Yeah, the ability to hold that form. Right, correct. Yeah, and the, the ability to hold your form up is important. I, I tell guys all the time, if, you, if you're not shooting a bunch, you don't have to shoot 40 arrows to be efficient in your practice. If you shoot 10 arrows really well and you get tired, you feel physically fatigued, stop because you can develop some real bad shooting habits by being just fatigued in your muscles. Right, and so let's differentiate between what we just said there because – you're exactly right. If you start getting to a point where you fatigue, you could actually hurt yourself. What I'm telling you is, is sure. don't stop because of mental fatigue, because it's still important to shoot no those shots. Okay. Um, a real important thing is not only strengthening from shooting itself, but shoulder strengthening, you know, and, and doing a little bit of a warm up. And I know when you're out hunting, you're not going to do a warm-up. You're not going to stretch those arms out before you take a shot. But you're doing a lot more different things, and, and you're not going to be shooting a whole lot of arrows. So it's like anything else. You know, there's a nice little stretching routine that you should go to. And uh, 
what I really like, and I've been shooting a long time, um, I do a series of shoulder workouts that I do lateral raises, I do front raises, I do boxing um, type of workouts. I do what we call bottle caps where we're coming in on the side like this, straight arms out, and even swimming. Uh, My neighbors, man, I I think my neighbors think I need to be put in a a jacket or something sent up because they look at me going down the road and I'm swimming, you know, and uh, coming over with the the arms. Uh, But all of that is real important because what a lot of guys don't realize is when you're pulling back and like you, we talked about this earlier, Gilbert, the back muscles, right? Okay. For sure. Critical they are. But when you pull back, that arm, that lead arm out there has got a force that's wanting to pull it to the inside of you, and you're trying to hold it solid and steady so it doesn't. And if you're weak there when you're pulling, as you release and you're trying to get against that, you're going to be throwing things out to the side. So getting those lateral raises by putting your, you know, bending over at the waist and doing those raises, uh, that you do on the sides there are really helpful exercises to bring your shooting in line. Okay. So that's the strengthening part, right? So let's talk about the small goals for your target. If you're just starting out um, and you guys are new to this, we like to use a paper plate. And I, I think Gilbert, uh, you always put something in the middle of your paper plate. I do, you know, and it's for for me. It's because I want to simulate where you know I always look at an animal when that, that I'm going to harvest. I, I, I imagine a red dot on that animal, right? And when I find that spot, that's the only thing I look at on the animal. So I want to find that spot on a target too when I'm practicing because that's part of my regiment to go through is to find that spot. If you look on my riser or my bow, it's written in red ink. It says pick a spot. And that's so every time I draw, I see that. So now when I practice, I pick a spot out on the spot to shoot at. Right. So So actually fine tuning my practice. Here's one that you probably haven't heard of. And it does just about the same thing is that, You take a pie plate on your target and you put one on the left side with your red dot in the middle of it. Then you take and you put a pie plate right next to that on the right side with nothing in it. And what you do is you look at that first red dot and you try to do your shot at it. Then your next arrow, you're looking at the plain plate and you are seeing where that dot should be just like you're looking at an animal and trying to place it there. Now, uh, I like that. I'm going to try it, Joe. Yeah. See how that works for you. And now for people, as far as remember, you're going from small goals to larger goals. So you start out with a pie plate and let me tell you, if you're an elk hunter, a pie plate is a kill zone. That's a kill zone. So, uh, you put that black dot in there, whether it's a quarter size, whether it's a half dollar size. To me, I, I like something about a half dollar size on there. Um, but the reason you want to have that dot is aim small, miss small. If you start aiming at a full white paper plate, you're going to send arrows everywhere. But if you 
focus on that dot on the inside and that's your spot to look at, you're going to see your groups tighten up. So uh, start with that pie plate. Uh, first Joe, paper Joe, plate. When you, when, when you do that, how many of those areas are you wanting to see get inside that pie plate, right? If you're shooting a group of five, I mean, are we looking at three out of five, four out of five? Is that where you want it to be? You're, you start with three out of five, you know, yeah. set that goal. My, my first goal is I want to be able to put three out of five of my arrows inside that paper plate, okay? My next goal, if I'm achieving that on my rounds, and, and what I mean is your proficient rounds. So if you're doing that from 20 to 30 to 40, now you're ready to, your goal should be changing. Your goal should be changing to four out of five. You start getting proficient so that you're doing that all the time. Then you set up so that your goal is now five out of five. Once you're hitting that five out of five, now you're going to go from that big paper plate down to that smaller pie plate. Okay. And then you reset your goals, three out of five, four out of five, and five out of five. And if you're a, a pin shooter and you're starting to peg that, now you're going to go to that coaster size to the point where now you're going to be putting stickers, you know, uh, inch, inch and a half stickers at five places on that target, and you're going to have to alternate around or you're going to be paying money in arrows. Yeah, you'd be robbing hooding them and boogering them up. They're right. expensive nowadays, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Tell me Especially about if it. you shoot high dollar carbon or if you shoot, you know, like I shoot full metal jackets. I mean, they're expensive. And, and that's, you know, we're not going to go too far into arrows, but, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm a blue collar hunter. I've uh, been grinding it out for a while and man, I shot double X 75 for years. In fact, when Gilbert Ornelas and I met, you know, I'm shooting aluminum arrows. And, you know, uh, Gilbert's like, oh, man, you ought to try this carbon arrow out. And I was like, buddy, I cannot afford those carbon arrows. Next thing I know, I'm receiving a, a, a dozen carbon arrows in the mail after a hunt. And I did not want to like them. You know, I just didn't. It's just like a, you, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself, Gilbert. Just like a drug pusher, man. You just. <laughs> you give them the first free dozen and they're coming back for more, Joe. <laughs> so, yeah, now if he runs out of bullets, oh, as he calls them. That, it was, that was horrible. Uh, but you no, guys that, will hear me talk about bullets too. We, we, uh, we, we joke about how much bullets cost when we're, when we're shooting arrows and everything. But if we, you hear me refer to my bullets or something like that, we're talking about arrows. Right. And you know, th this stuff that we're talking about here now, when I talk about shooting confidence right now, I'm being bow oriented, yeah, but you know, sure. the, the same thing happens with the rifle hunter. You do the same thing, you know, because now, uh, you're not having to strengthen your shoulders for holding in, in that way. You know, now you're focusing on things like your breathing. You're focusing on squeezing of the, the trigger, not jerking a trigger. And you're doing the same thing. You're starting with something bigger. You're working down. You're setting your goals for your, your three out of five, then your four out of five, and then your five out of five. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your weapon of choice is. You want to give yourself the opportunity to improve and get there. Now, uh, Uncle Thomas jumps in, and, and he's pegging everything, boom, 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 right in the bullseye. Um, 
don't go ripping at yourself because you're not doing it. Yeah. You know, that's a person with years of practice that's put that time in. That's an expectation they have. That's an expectation that you want to work towards. So as far as that, that's how that goes. Now, the other thing is, is you want to put yourself in all kinds of different situations, real situations, and Honest practice scenarios. those. Yeah. Right. Because remember, we're talking about shooting confidence, right? Yes, sir for overall confidence. So um, I know you've hunt in Texas there, you hunt out of a blind. So you're sitting in a chair, right? Sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So do you ever practice shooting off of a chair? All the time. Yeah. We shoot out of chairs and I practice 90% of the time. My practice, I'm on my knees. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, well, since you said that, uh, we did receive, there was a guy out of Idaho sent in a question that we were going to save for the Q&A, but one of his questions that, that he asked, he said, you know, I, I listened to all these different guys on podcasts, and and people are telling me I shouldn't get on my knees, uh, and some people are saying I sh- you should get on your knees, and uh, so I'm going to answer that real quick before I move on, and in that You've got to understand that uh, there's so many variables in hunting. And also, we, we're all a product of our environment. So, uh, John in Utah, um, I, if, if I was hunting in Oregon, uh, where they have those old forests with 150-foot trees up there and growth the way they do, like that jungle down on, on the bottom of it, I don't think I would ever get on my knees because if I did, <laughs> I didn't see a digit. You might not man. ever see a kill zone, yeah. <laughs> You'll never see it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I am a product of my environment yeah, here in, in the Rockies where um, our pines have a tendency to really start branching out about five foot up. And we have low oak brush. So we have more of a view under the canopy where a lot of people have that, you know, that, that view. And some of those places, they have to stand up just to be able to see. And I prefer my knees uh, because of where I'm at to give me the optimum shooting lanes. And that's all that matters. Remember, goal number one is to give yourself the best opportunity with the best shooting lane. So whichever that works, that's good. Um, out here in New Mexico, it's a knees for me. Yeah. You know, for, for me, Joe, it's all about anchor point for me. Mm-hmm. So when we're bow hunting in Texas, a lot of times we'll have to either lean out or even if we're in a, a tripod or a blind, we'll have to lean out to get a, uh, to move, to get a shot. Well, when we do that, that generally changes our anchor point. And I have made some errant shots, uh, some undesirable shots because mm-hmm. I've had to lean out and stuff like that. So I practice doing that now. I practice leaning out or being in an uncomfortable position to make a shot. Uh, I right. remember the first time that I was with uh, Carl Gamage in New Mexico and I was going to shoot a, a mule deer. Um, I was, I'd never shot straight down a mountain and Carl ranged that deer at 31 yards straight down. Well, I never shot it down the mountain. I put my 30-yard pin on him, hit him right in the top of the back. You know, it just skipped off the top of his back. 
well, I've never done. I'm like, I ain't never missed an animal ever in my life with a boat. And Carl said, well, you can never say that now. Pilgrim. You know, I'm like, so I went down there and looked at my arrow and sure enough, I had hair on my arrow. I said, see, I didn't miss him. He said, well, we ain't eating, we ain't eating venison either. You know, he was, he said, I don't know what to tell you. He said, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I've never shot straight down. So I went back to camp, got up on the side by that corral over there and shot straight down at a target at 31 yards. And I was a foot high. I could aim with my 20 yard pin all the way to 40 yards and hit whatever I wanted, you know? So it was right. different scenarios made a sure. big difference to me, you know, and, and just for the same thing, you know? people out there too, when you, when you do that, when you are shooting down, you don't want to lower your bow arm to shoot down. You have to bend at the waist. You have to keep the same form on top. So that's something to remember there. So we do that out of tree stands all the time. Right. Bend at the waist. Exactly. So in shooting confidence, we talk about strengthening. We talk about the size of your target, how to set your small goals um, as far as what that is. Uh, you've got to shoot standing, got to shoot kneeling, sitting in a chair, anything that could be something that you're going to be uh, possibly doing. Put yourself in a real situation. You want to shoot with the hunting clothes on that you're going to hunt in. And we're going to talk a little bit later about equipment and equipment confidence. And that that's a big part of it is you do not want to discover any point of failure during your hunt. So if you're going to use it, practice in it, Go get you. to know what it feels like. Okay. Um, a huge one I tell people, man, is find your neighbors, get your wife, um, get your buddies out there and have them watch you while you're shooting. How, you know, invite people to shoot with you because now you're adding a different element there. Again, now you're going to find out, uh, am I going to put a little pressure on myself? Well, if you do deal with it, you know, so it's a good thing to go through, yeah. um, practice in wind sure. and wind in all directions, wind coming from the right, coming from the left behind you and forward, because, it's like my track athletes, man. We don't get to choose what days we compete. Same thing as a hunter. We do not get to choose our conditions when that bull comes in. So right. yeah, be prepared for that. Uh, you have any? I think thing? another thing, Joe, when, when we're – yeah, I think another thing is understanding distance, right? Everybody nowadays carries a range finder and everything, but I think guys get too tied to that thing, and it can cost them some opportunities when – Really, if we can understand what's 40 yards and really uh, prepare ourselves to make our own calls where we're not having to reach down and grab that rain finder. Sometimes, you know, uh, for us, we may not be hunting with a guide. We may be hunting by ourselves. Or right. even at the time, the guide could be separated from you because he's calling the, the bull by you. So he's separated himself. So, you know, if you can't get to your, your range finder, understanding what, what's 30 yards and what's not, it's a big deal. So no, you shoot without a range finder. Exactly. Try to, try to walk back your target and just shoot arrows from, from, from different ranges where you're guessing and you're, you're thinking, Hey, well, this looks like 30 yards. This looks like 40 yards, you know? Well, there's uh, a couple ways that we out there. No, there you go. Exactly, man. Just start chucking arrows as you're walking and just yeah. let them fly, pick right. them up and shoot them from where they're at. And, you know, there's other things that you can do fun things. Like we play horse. 
you know, one guy goes to one spot and shoots, the other guy has to shoot it as well. You know, um, it's a fun sure. thing. You end up shooting more arrows without even knowing that you do that. Um, that's right. always good. Field walks, what I call field walks. Yeah. I, I always have a judo point on my bow and, uh, and even when I'm hunting and I get to a slow time of the day, I'm walking, I'm finding a plant and grass, I'm finding a branch sticking out and, and I'm using that judo point and I'm shooting it all the time at things because it's amazing how distances change between being in the woods and being on the side of a park where it's open, you know, yeah, terrain changes, you know, the whole nine yards. Right. Everything changes. So Depth field perception, everything, when it's denser, it's different. Yeah. You know, field walks are awesome. So uh, that that's something that, that's really cool. You know, a lot of times you're going to be out of breath, huh, Gilbert? <laughs> yes. If you hunt with Joe, you're going to be out of breath 90% of the time. <laughs> Joe might not be, but you will be. So a good idea, especially man, if you raise three hundred and thirty pounds, <laughs> is, is go ahead, sprint, find find a pole, and and we did this playing horse, man. You take the two guys, you know, you sprint to a pole, you sprint back, pick up the arrow, and shoot it at the target. The other guy has to do the same thing, you know. Shoot when you're out of breath, if if that's the case. Learn to control your breathing. That'll help you in two ways. One way, if you've just been dogging an animal to get up on them secondly if you start to get nervous and you start to start breathing a little fast and a little hard and guys i've been there i have had my heart coming out my mouth so loud that i could swear that animal was going to hear it you know so i hear it in my eardrums yeah (laughs) sun in your face i know i'm alive because all you can hear is doom 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 i'm like i know i'm alive my heart's working because i can hear it up in my eardrums beating that <laughs> if sure. i'm hunting i'm living right <laughs> so all day every day shoot with that sun in your face the the prime uh situation is for you to have the sun at your back and in the eyes of the animal but if you don't uh and you end up having that in your face practice that Shooting through obstacles is huge. I mean, th- that is one of the biggest things to do. Get tree branches, shooting through areas and trees, uh, things covering uh, the kill halfway, three-quarters of the way, uh, real close to where you are. See your trajectory and how it happens. Um, like we talked about, one arrow at unknown distances, just throwing it and shooting it. 3D competitions are one of the best things to do to build that confidence small game you know but when you go to 3d shoots it's always interesting because a lot of times when i go i'm a bare bow and they don't sometimes have a division so i get thrown in with the pin shooters and then it becomes well how far do you think it is and you know what pin did you use and (laughs) all of these things and i actually find myself sometimes reverting and trying to shoot like them like holding and stuff like that and that just kills me man i just gotta go back to doing what i do and uh so doing those things are good and i will tell you the other thing for building that shooting confidence is shoot 20 yards and 10 yards further from your comfort zone if you want 
that 30 yard to really tighten up, shoot those 60s. And you're not shooting the 60s because you want to shoot an animal at a 60. You're shooting that because it changes your focus when you get up to that 30. It really does. It it really starts pulling things together. So uh, I, I definitely recommend for that to happen. No doubt. No doubt. You know, uh, for our viewers out there, we're here with Joe Gillia out of New Mexico. Uh, he's the guide here, and he's the, the voice of elkbros.com. Uh, with blue collar elk hunting and we're talking today about the goals and and the small goals to attain our real goals we talked about today so far we've talked about shooting and and confidence and there's another thing that we could talk about too joe from the shooting aspect and that's building our our confidence with our physical fitness oh yeah yeah that i think conditioning being in shape and elk hunting is is huge because there's it it's a wearing it's a wearing sport man I mean it's tough on your body uh, it can be tough on your mindset really and if you're not in shape that mindset can get a lot more negative real fast and you know I. I I can remember specific times, you know, being on top of a ridge and spotting a group of animals all the way across on the next ridge and uh, and saying, let's go. And, you know, friends of mine are looking at me like, say, what? <laughs> but if you don't go where the elk are, <laughs> you ain't going to kill one. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, man. If you tell Joe you hear one, you will go. <laughs> and understand, again, just as in the shooting confidence, Fitness confidence and being in phys- you know physical good shape to hunt is a process, man. It is um, it's it's not going to happen overnight. It's something that you have to work at step by step, and and that's okay. You know, that's okay. You know, I'm 57 yeah, years old especially now. Especially guys that are not used to altitude hunting. Sure, sure. And, you know, you can yeah. work your butt it's off. It's a process. Down. Yeah, you can work your butt off down there in Houston, but it's still going to take you two, three days of working up here before you acclimate, right? No doubt. No so doubt. you're going you're gonna to sweat like a pig for the first couple of days, man, and, you know, uh, there's other things you're going to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I, for me, the fitness part is, has changed my game tremendously. I've always been a pretty good shot. I've always been a pretty good shooter. Uh, I've diligently practiced, but it's been the what's really changed my game to be able to really feel like when I go out in the woods that if I hear an animal or I see an animal, I can harvest him. It's because I know I can get there. You know, when I first started, I couldn't. You know, I was relegated to hunting wallers and blinds and stuff like that. I just couldn't, I wasn't mobile enough. I mean, when you're weighing 330 pounds and there's absolutely zero people, I mean, zero oxygen in, <laughs> at 10,000 feet, right? Somebody, somebody long days ago got all of the oxygen up there because there <laughs> is none up there. So at the end yeah. of the day, you've got to be prepared physically for that seat. Right. Right. Cause and, it's, it's man, they play mind tricks with you. You don't even want to get out of bed the next day. You know? that, that's the, the great thing about the whole fitness thing and fitness part of it is, is that, that it is beneficial more than just for hunting. 
you know, uh, I, it's a lifestyle change. It is. And, you know, I lost my father at the age of 13 and one of, um, my promises, uh, to my children when they were born was, is the same thing wasn't going to happen to them. Now, I know there's all kinds of things in this world that could have changed that promise, but it wasn't going to happen from me uh, doing things to my body to cause that. There are things that I could do to create my life to be longer, healthier, more fulfilling. And one of those is just uh, being in decent condition. You know, Gilbert, you, by going from 330-some pounds to – Man, you're now at 250-something right now. You've given the gift of an additional 10 years to your kids, you know. Uh, we, none of us have our finger on what the plan yeah, is Yeah, my wife us. will tell you, that's a real blessing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> little inside humor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I honestly, man, it, it's – you know, none of us have a finger on what the plan is for us, and, and and none of us know when that time is. But we can sure take care and sure. and give ourselves the best opportunity for for a long life, just like we talk about with hunting. So, in talking about fitness confidence, um, it does not have to be. And I, I see a lot of people; they get this big old hard workout, and they go out there and they they just tear it up man and the first day like oh yeah i can do all this <laughs> day number two they feel the soreness day number three they're they're crawling out of bed you know because they've just never done that they just overdo it and a, a, a big key is not to overdo it to stay within your range and then again remember it's a process and build up to it so uh you've got to have a warm-up routine and i i don't care how old you are i coach kids that were you know uh, 11, 12, 13, up to 17 years old. And if those kids did not have warm-up routines, then they caused injuries to themselves. As we get older and our tendons get a little bit stiffer and, our, and we take a little bit longer to repair, it's imperative that we do that, that we prep our body for that. So in doing these workouts, make sure that you have a warm-up routine. And that can be anything from a brisk walk, to uh, uh, just some dynamic movements after that brisk walk and then going into other things. Uh, key, especially for us, is flexibility. You know, uh, I, I've got a good friend of mine now that's suffering from sciatic. And, uh, you know, that's a painful thing to deal with. And a lot of that has with, has to do with our tendons and, and keeping ourselves flexible. Um, so flexibility. You start out with 15 minutes. If that's your first goal, 15 minutes minimum, two to three days a week, then to 20 minutes, then to 30 minutes. Uh, if you have a, a favorite show or you want to listen to Elk Bros podcast, you, you like how I threw that in there? Just uh, <laughs> pop that I love puppy up. Yeah. <laughs> Pop that on and start doing your workout, man, um, and get that flexibility. You know, you want to do dynamic and static stretches. If you don't know what that means, dynamic means that it's stretching, utilizing a movement. Um, do uh, Go onto YouTube and, and ask for dynamic stretches, static stretches. 
and you want to do these static is basically that's some of the where you're you're stretching and 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 kind of giving it a certain amount of time and emotion so uh, static is what most of us are used to, especially people in my generation, because that's what everybody did. Um, there's only a certain amount of static that you want to do. You can actually hurt yourself a little bit if you do overdo static stretching. Dynamic stretching is always better. Okay, uh, And the areas that you're going to want to focus on for elk hunting is Achilles and calves, hamstrings and squats. I'm sorry, quads. <laughs> Uh, the hamstrings are in the back of the, the thigh, the quads on the front of it. And some that most people ignore that is really huge and forgotten are your hip flexors. Uh, I don't know, as, as years go and you start really going and pounding, you can just feel that in your hips and those joints on there in the side. So that's, that's real important. Your back, uh, you know, doing some stretches for your back and your shoulders. That's, that's our focus areas that I would go to, your Achilles calves, hamstring quads, hip flexors, back and shoulders. You take care of those, you basically covered from top to bottom the areas that you need to uh, keep up with your flexibility. 15 to 20 to 30, two to three days a week, okay? The next area is going to be cardio. And as soon as people hear the word cardio, they go, wow, man, I, I don't like to run. Cardio is not necessarily running. Right. How do you do your cardio? So, you know, when I start out, uh, I, I usually walk a couple of miles, right? And then I, I, so I have uh, some knee issues and stuff like that that I deal with. So just full out running is not real good for, for your joints anyway. But at the end of the day, I need to be able to go for a couple minutes straight. So I go hard for about two minutes. You know, mm -hmm. I put a pretty good solid pace together and then I'll walk another quarter of a mile and then I'll do two more minutes of solid hard pace and then I'll walk a quarter of a mile to cool down. And that's kind of simulating elk hunting, right? We're at a pretty brisk pace early in the mornings, getting to where we need to be. And then we kind of calm down, do our calling and stuff like that. And when we hear something, we got to kind of put double time in. So that's kind of how I do things. I'm going to step it up a little bit more this year on the cardio side and run a little bit more. My goal is to be able to run a mile in under nine minutes. So, right. I mean, at the end of the day, I've set some goals for myself. So those are things that are going to help me when I get up there to the high country and I'll be able to sustain a little bit better, uh, that, that cardio. Cause it's big, man. I'm telling you when, when there's no oxygen to begin with up there, um, uh, that cardio really comes into play. And uh, so what Gilbert said, guys, is exactly right. You know, um, the walking, taking a brisk walk, getting an incline to do it will get that heart rate up. And you, it, you can jog on a, on a treadmill and you can walk on a treadmill and watch the calories are pretty doggone close uh, to what you're burning there. So as long as you're getting that heart rate up and you're doing that brisk walking, that works good. And one thing I like to do during that brisk walk is that's the time I do my shoulder work that, right. you know, so that the upper part of my body is active when the lower part of my body is. And that's going to raise even more my heart rate at that time doing that cardio. So when you start doing those extra things, that really helps that. If you're somebody that the walking starts to, um, you know, 
uh, do okay, then you can add some jogging in there, jog for a certain amount of time, get back to a brisk walk. You know, uh, Chap talked about a thing that we do called telephone poles, where we walk from one pole to the next, we jog from that pole to the next one, we walk and we continue doing that. We might only do so many series of the jogs and the rest will be the walk. Uh, if we can do the whole thing or we convert to where we're doing a lot more um, running than walking, whatever your pace is in your body tells you is okay. If you start to feel injuries, you step back. Don't push through because pain. It, <laughs> There's you don't a have difference to do of being injured or being hurt. Correct. And you can hurt yourself. So, uh, the other thing is to add hill hikes in if you have those. If you don't, you know, find the local hotel, find the local school, the local library, and do steps, going up those steps. Add a pack, put weights in your hand, and those are ways to do that. Don't forget you can cross-train, too. You can jump on a bike and do the same things of everything that we're talking about here. Swim. You, yep. you can do the telephone poles, and it's a lot easier on your joints that yep. you were talking about. And it really burns those hamstrings and gets those quads. Uh, you can do the telephone poles there where you're, you're riding normal and you're going really, really hard. Um, you can add hills to that. And what's really good is when you're doing hills or some of those, go into a higher gear so that you have to push harder when you're going on that. Okay. Yep. For, so, for me, when, I, when I'm doing my running and stuff like that, I increase every week. I try to increase almost 10%. So if I'm going – Two miles, I go 2.2 miles the next week. And if I'm 2.2 miles the next week, I go to 2.4. So I'm, I'm, I'm increasing the amount that I do every week until I get up to five, six miles, you know. Right. And by that time, I'm in pretty good shape when I hit, when I'm get to elk country and I need a couple of days to acclimate. But I'm ready to go, you know. And this year being able to be in a lot lighter and stuff like that is going to help with the running and stuff. So sure. it should help a lot. And, you know, the last area in doing this is, is, is strengthening. Now, when you're doing your cardio, Gilbert talked about going a certain distance. That's fine if you want to do that. Um, you can do it by time. You're going to do it for 15 minutes, or you're going to then build to 20 and then 30. You know, if you're doing a 30-minute walk out there, you're getting in what is required basically for most people and what they should be doing anyway. So uh, that that's a good way to go, you know. Uh, and I always tell people, too, if you're doing 15 minutes, go out eight or nine minutes and then turn and come back because a lot of times you're going to come back at a brisker pace, you're warmed up, uh, and it's just like a horse going to water. <laughs> so I actually have my wife go drop me off. That's awesome. From the house, mm-hmm. and I, I, I got to go. I got to come home, right? So yeah, she'll right. drop me off, and I know I got to come back. So I mean, I want to eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that's huge. That's that's really cool because you got to get back home, right? Um, yeah. Also, when you're doing any of this stuff, you're out there. Make sure you have a cell phone or something with you in case something happens. Uh, you know, here I, I've I've come across rattlesnakes when I'm out hiking and walking. Anything could happen, so. Make sure you have you let people know where you're going and that you have communication. So that the next area is going to be strengthening. And again, 15 minutes start with, work to 20 and work to 30. Two to three days a week and just use body weight exercises. You know, if you want to change this and this is under you, 
that's awesome. That's great. Now, I don't have to worry about you, but if you're somebody that doesn't do any of this, you start out with push-ups, okay? Push-ups is one of the best all-around strengthening core work, shoulders, triceps, it, it chest. You know, it's just one of the best all-around exercises. That's why our Navy SEALs believe in it so much. So no uh, you got push-ups, body squats. Now, how many should I be doing of these? Well, if you've never done them before, do them in sets. So if I've never done them and I can do five push-ups, then I'm going to try to go five push-ups and then four push-ups and then three. So that's three different sets where I'm giving myself a break off of it until I can work up to five, five, five. Once I'm there, now I'm going to try to go eight, seven, five, okay? And I build up to those eight, and then I get so that I'm doing ten. And same thing. It's, it's not where you're forcing your body to do it. You're going to build goals and try to get that up. You know, if you can get to where you can do 30 to 40 push-ups – straight, you know, in a series, give your body a breather and then do a set of 20, a set of 20. I got news for you. You're, you're pretty solid with that. Okay. Um, body squats. And, and what I just told you about your sets and, and numbers goes for all this stuff. Okay. It goes for all of it. Uh, the only ones that I, I'll tell you here in a second, body squats, squat thrusts. And if you've never seen a squat thrust, some people call them burpees. Uh, just look them up on the internet. It is the greatest all-around exercise you can do. In fact, uh, you know, you do those squat thrusts like that, you might want to give yourself a break on the push-ups. <laughs> so, uh, and my kids hate them. They, yeah. they, they're like, oh, my gosh, up-downs. No, coach, no up-downs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then they're, they're strength builders quickly. Step ups, right, Gilbert, where, you know, stepping up on something, work on that being a little higher as you go. And then I would say the last thing, because I've given you push-ups, body squats, squat thrusts, step ups. And what's nice is you can do a series of push-ups or or a set of push-ups, and then you do a set of step ups because you're working something different. Then go do your second set of push-ups, go to a set of step ups, okay? And the last last thing is going to be core work or planks. Basically, where you're getting kind of in a push-up position, you can either be up in a push-up position, you can be down on your elbows, and you're keeping that body rigid from front to back in line, and you start out 30 seconds. Go another 20 seconds, three sets of, of you know, you got the 30, 20, and then 20, okay? So then build up to where you can go 60 seconds, Three times by the, hopefully you get there. If you get that, you're doing good, solid core. And then you can start looking into other core exercises where you're reversing out and doing them opposite, doing them on the side. But I'm giving you the minimum here to get yourself and your body into into a decent shape, okay? Um, so that you're ready for what we go to, okay? That's um, solid content, Joe. For those of you listening to us, we've got the guy, Joe Gillia from... Cimarron, New Mexico, and he's been talking about everything from uh, improving our mindset and uh, in, in our shooting form, uh, the exercises to get better because we need to be strong. Uh, and then, you know, a, 
another thing that we've talked a lot about is the way to get, you know, Joe's talked a lot about, about the, the, the exercises to do. Um, can't thank him enough for all his, his expertise and all of this. And I, I know one of the next ones coming up, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. And Joe's probably one of the best in the world at doing that. And that's elk calling confidence, right, Joe? Right. We're going to, um, as we go into these series, going to be elk calling confidence, equipment, and uh, elk behavior, hunt strategies, and hunt etiquette. So that's still to come in this series. Uh, we're pretty much, we're just at the hour mark right now. So um, we're we're going to put this so that you guys have something to think about and something to work at. And remember, all of this is all about building your confidence and making you more effective. So um, from Cimarron, New Mexico here, Chav, uh, I hope you're feeling better. Uh, we look forward to having him back with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. We hope Chav's. Go ahead. Joe can't wait, wait to have, can't wait to have you in hog camp yeah. <laughs> uh, this coming week. So when we, uh, when we have our next podcast, guys, we'll definitely be talking about the, the next parts of our goals from elk calling confidence to equipment confidence, familiarity, can't wait to have our next podcast it will be in the great state of texas uh for all our elk bros listeners from me here in h-town gilbert ornelas here in joe jillian new mexico thank you guys for being in elk camp with us tonight we'll see you next week adios guys